I'm Robert Howard with Robert Howard Angus in Henrietta, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Kerry Martin. Hello, Texas. It is great to have you along with us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. So why don't you jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, it has not been the best year for growing cotton here in Texas. Yes, we did have some parts of the state that had a decent crop, but especially for that southern plains and panhandle crop, it's been a tough, tough year. So just how much cotton was abandoned during this horrible drought this year? We'll check in with Plains cotton growers Cody Besson to get his estimate on how much of the crop we lost this year. And the numbers are staggering. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The pork industry is very important to the Texas High Plains economy. But the success of our local pork producers is often tied to international issues. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Stock tanks continue to remain low in central Texas as the drought persists, while winter wheat planting is at a very slow pace at this time. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Millions of acres of cotton in Texas have been abandoned this year due to drought. As harvest moves into the largest area of Texas cotton around Lubbock, we'll find out just how much cotton didn't make it. Cody Besant is CEO of Plains Cotton Growers, and he says their estimate is staggering. Pretty close to probably 70-75% is our estimate at this point in time out of the entire region. Um, Certainly we'll know more as we get into October, November, once we finish out with the bulk counts that they're doing right now and from a production estimate standpoint. Uh, But this very well could be a a lesser than desirable year, even more devastating than 2011 and less production than that year. So something for folks to be mindful of and and certainly be aware of. And uh, it's just going to be one for the records, unfortunately, and and not a a positive record-keeping standpoint either. Besant says this year will affect all aspects of the economy in the Southern Plains and Panhandle of Texas, from cotton infrastructure all the way to small mom-and-pop businesses. The FiberMax cotton variety is celebrating 25 years of existence. In a ceremony this week at the FiberMax Center for Discovery in Lubbock, the company looked back on their quarter-century history. You know, 25 years is a long time, and, and from very humble beginnings, very unique beginnings, you know. it's not uh, There's not, not any other company, I don't think, uh, you know, in, in our uh, business here in the U.S. That, that has this type of thing where, you know, it came in from, from Australia and then, you know, added on all of our layers here in the U.S. So it's something that's really unique and we're really proud 
of it and looking forward to the future. That's Kenny Melton. He's the Western Region Agronomic Services Manager for BASF. He says FiberMax was a real game changer for Texas farmers when it came on the scene 25 years ago. There was so much of the uh, of our cotton was very short staple, you know, really low quality. Um, you know, we just expected that. We were all about pounds. We didn't try to, you know, we didn't expect any any good quality out of it. But whenever FiberMax came in, it changed the whole narrative on uh, cotton for West Texas in particular, and really all of Texas, I guess. You could say the same thing for South Texas. But, you know, we got great staple. We got uh, just, you know, great strength, just outstanding fiber quality. And it really changed how everybody looked at it. And uh, it, it saved a lot of growers. On top of that, we got better yields as well. So... It was a tremendous boost for for the cotton industry in West Texas in particular. The very first FiberMax cotton plots in the United States were planted by Nueces County Extension agent Harvey Buring in the Texas Coastal Bend. The pork industry is very important to the Texas High Plains economy, but James Hunt tells us the success of Texas pork producers is often tied to international issues. As we've talked about previously, with several large farms located in the upper Texas panhandle, the pork industry provides a huge benefit to our local economy. But that local benefit is tied in many ways to matters that are global. For example, in my conversation with Dalhart pork producer Peter Baumert, he told me the pork industry would like to see export opportunities grow. The current administration and the past administration have not had interest in entering into further trade agreements, especially in the Asia-Pacific arena. There's always a need for promoting trade. Baumert would also like to see the government help on the labor front. Like much of U.S. agriculture, pork farms rely on foreign workers. The majority of the employees are visa holders from Mexico. There really is a great need for some improvements to the H-2A visa program. Namely, that you can make that a year-round visa program. We're not seasonal farms. But even though a better flow of foreign workers is needed, border security is important, including as it relates to protecting animal health and our food supply. This in terms of border inspections in order to keep foreign animal diseases out, specifically African swine fever, funding uh, for Border inspections to find and stop pork products at the border, very important. I can't overstate the devastation that would happen with African swine fever uh, if it would come into the continental United States. That stops everything. Once again, that was Peter Baumert, an executive board member of the Texas Pork Producers Association. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Central Texas is very dry right now as wheat planting moves forward at a slow pace. Tom Nicoletti checks in with a Central Texas Extension agent for an update. It is October and dry and warmer than usual in Central Texas. We go to Dr. Shane McClellan in Waco to give us uh, the latest update on the situation for pastures and stock tanks and what ranchers are facing uh, here in October. Uh, Shane, what uh, what's the latest? Well, unfortunately, drought is still dominating agriculture in Central Texas, and I'm sure the South in general. Uh, we need rain. That's the main thing. It's kind of a, a time of year when we like to recharge stock tanks, get some moisture in the ground, 
for the fall planting as well as build some soil moisture for spring planting. And we're not getting that. It's it's really dry and we received a little bit of rain. It kind of lulled everybody into a false sense of security because pastures greened up, grass is growing. And then now we've had unseasonably warm temperatures. We're back to where we were. We've got grass dying and drying out just because the soil has run out of moisture. Yes, La Nina is still uh, very prevalent uh, over Texas and other southern states. And uh, certainly the winter wheat planting in the Blacklands in central Texas is going very slowly, uh, if at all, because of the dry conditions. It's going very slow. Typically, we have most of, if not all, our, our winter oaks planted for grazing. And there are people that are actually starting to plant winter wheat by now, normally. Uh, not many are, a few are. They're dusting it in, just hoping it will get a rain. And it's uh, not looking good. The extended forecast that I've seen says we're going to be dry up until maybe even November. And it's not a not a good message, not a good uh, good feeling out there for receiving any moisture. Sure need, need a rain, though. Now, Shane, I caught up with you at the Heart of Texas Fair and Rodeo at the Extraco Event Center. Now, the Fair and Rodeo actually officially begins October 6th and runs through October the 16th, but you are there ahead of time because uh, the Livestock Show uh, is well underway for um, most of the days prior to October 6th as youngsters are getting their uh, livestock in order there. Uh, how are things going, and uh, what is this show looking like this week? It's going well. The Heart of Texas entries were up overall. A lot of kids, a lot of families up here competing, showing their livestock. Heifer show was this past weekend, and I heard they had over 700 entries. I think it's close to 300 entries for steers, two-day event, and a lot of good kids competing for scholarship dollars. On a per-kid basis, it was an extremely large amount of money. That's one thing that people sometimes forget is that they hear Art of Texas Fair and Rodeo. They don't, they don't realize the tremendous amount of local support that goes in on scholarship dollars to help these kids further their education. Great event, a lot of volunteers up here working over the entire fair. And like you said, it's an extended kind of schedule with the livestock show starting earlier before the main fair gets started. Yes, certainly a very exciting time for Central Texas youngsters who uh, are uh, raising various livestock uh, at home on a farm and then uh, taking them there to uh, the uh, livestock show at the uh, Extraco Event Center in Waco. Big event, a lot of people involved just as far as locals and kind of from the region that volunteer to work here during the uh, extent of the schedule for Heart of Texas Fair and Rodeo. I would refer people to the Heart of Texas Fair and Rodeo website to see the schedule. Concerts, rodeo, livestock exhibits, a lot of youth activities out here. Just a lot to see, uh, a lot of vendors, plus they've got the fair, the carnival going on. Shane, thanks very much. Thank you, Tom. That is Dr. Shane McClellan. He is reporting for us today from the Heart of Texas Fair and Rodeo in Waco. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texans could soon be able to use electric bikes in more places in Texas state parks. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And the time to work spring calving cows is coming up soon. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. October 12th is National Farmers Day, a day dedicated to those who wake before the sun rises and often work until long after it sets. It's only because of farmers' tireless efforts to produce more while using less that we have the food, feed, fiber, and fuel we need here in America. 
and plenty more for export. And farmers produce all of this sustainably so that future generations have the same bounty. Please join Syngenta in honoring the men and women of agriculture today and every day. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. If you have a spring calving cow herd, the time to work cows and calves is coming up soon. Dr. Bob Judd says using the correct needle size when working those cattle is very important. Folks with cow-calf operations will soon be working calves and weaning them and also vaccinating cows and performing pregnancy checks for the upcoming calving season in the spring. Using the correct needle size is important when injecting cattle, and the needle size depends on the size of the animal, thickness of the product you're injecting, and the route of injection. The veterinarians at Kansas State indicate that length and diameter of the needles are both important, and you need to have several sizes of needles available. The needles are not that expensive, and using the correct needle is easier on the animals and on the person performing the injections. Dr. Larson indicates he usually uses a 16-gauge needle in larger cows unless drawing blood or giving IV fluids. It is important to determine the thickness or viscosity of the fluid you are injecting and use the appropriate size needle so the injection can be performed quickly, which decreases pain and decreases the chance of broken needles. Needle length can be determined by the type of injection that is being given. Skin thickness should also be a concern as younger calves have much thinner skin than older cows, so a half-inch needle may be sufficient for calves to give a subcutaneous injection, while an intramuscular injection in an adult usually requires a one-and-one-half-inch needle. For subcutaneous injections in large cattle, a three-fourths-inch 16-gauge needle is sufficient, and it decreases the chance of injecting in the muscle and decreases the chance of a needle breaking. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texans can soon be able to use electric bikes in more places in Texas state parks. Jessica Domo has the story in today's Wildlife Report. In just a few weeks, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission is expected to take action on a proposed amendment that could allow more people the opportunity to explore Texas state parks. The amendment would change the way electric bicycles are classified so that they can be used on trails, paths, and both paved and unpaved roads unless signs directly prohibit their use in that area. Aaron Fryer, special assistant to the state park director, explained the proposal at the commission's last meeting. Electric bicycles are becoming more popular on trail systems, not just in Texas, but nationally as well. Our colleagues at the federal level, as well as other state park systems throughout the United States, and even the local level are seeing an increased demand and use in electric bicycles on trail systems. The current rule under the Texas Administrative Code is they're defined as a motorized vehicle, and so they're only allowed on roadways and paved systems, parking areas, and not necessarily on state park trails as of now. And so that's something that we've been evaluating and researching, and we would like to propose a structured policy that would allow e-bikes on our trail systems. In order to do that, we first would like to define what an e-bike is, and the definition we would like to use was in the transportation code. That's going to allow us to define what is and what is not an electric bicycle, and it also helps define the classifications of the different classes of 
e-bikes that are available. And then once we have them defined, we would like to be able to allow e-bikes on trails, but we would also like to be able to say which trails they are allowed or are not allowed and to which classifications which would be allowed on certain trails. The deadline to submit comments on the proposed amendments is 5 p.m. November 2nd. A link to comment is available on the TPWD website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It was a good day Friday for the cotton and grain markets, but when the grain markets move up, feeder cattle usually move down. That's exactly what happened on Friday. We'll check out all of Friday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. October 12th is National Farmers Day, a day dedicated to those who wake before the sun rises and often work until long after it sets. It's only because of farmers' tireless efforts to produce more while using less that we have the food, feed, fiber, and fuel we need here in America, and plenty more for export. And farmers produce all of this sustainably so that future generations have the same bounty. Please join Syngenta in honoring the men and women of agriculture today and every day. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cotton and grain markets wrapped up the trading week Friday on a positive note. However, those higher grain prices pushed the feeder cattle lower. We'll start with the cattle complex where live cattle finished the week steady to higher. October live cattle unchanged at 145.32, the December up 17. 148.05, February live cattle up 12, 151.75. But the feeders couldn't hold up under those higher grain prices Friday. October feeders dropped a dollar, 174.72. November feeder cattle down 80 cents at 175.62, while January feeders were down a dollar 25, 176.60. Cash fed cattle market, however, Saw a good week last week. Now, we moved the market up a dollar. We sold cattle here in Texas at 144 But what's so good about that is that's the highest price we've seen here in 2022, and it's the highest price we've seen here in Texas for the last seven years, going all the way back to 2015. So definitely a good week last week for cattle feeders. Boxed beef was higher on Friday choice, up 19 cents, 247.55. Select up a dollar sixty-seven at two eighteen sixty-six. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Wayne Geiswhite sold cattle in Fredericksburg on Wednesday. Wayne, how did the sale turn out? You know, we had a little over a thousand head in Fredericksburg Bay. These cows were probably six, seven, eight dollars cheaper. Most of the cows bring, you know, the better cows bring sixty to seventy-two or three, with a few up seventy-five. Uh, thinner cows, of course, some of the ones that they're feeding, the feeder cows bring forty-five to fifty-five, and then the shelly cows, you know, just whatever you can get for them. Uh, the calf market, a good ten dollars cheaper. Uh, some places more, and some places less. That's kind of an average. Sold a few four hundred pound calves up over about. 80. Uh, most of 170 to 175. Uh, three weights up to two dollars, but most of them too around 180, 85. Uh, five weights up to 175, 176. A lot of 165 to 70, and uh, six weights up to 150 something. Uh, but you know, it was sure different. Heifer weights, uh, heifers up way in the low twos and stuff up to 170, 75. Uh, three weight heifers about the same. Four weight heifers kind of up to about 160, or a few really fancy ones. Most of them 145 to 55. Five weight heifers kind of 140. 
Wayne, thanks so much for being on Walking the Pins. Neighbor, thank you so much for listening to us on one of these Texas Farm Bureau affiliate stations. We'll be back tomorrow. My name's Larry Marble. Listen for us. Good day. Thank you, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs were mixed on Friday. October hogs up 57 cents, 92.95. December hogs down 62 at 77.15. Class 3 milk was lower Friday. October milk down 4 cents, 22.07. November down 10 cents, 21.84 a hundredweight. The cotton market seemed to be a bit oversold, so traders pushed prices higher on Friday. December cotton up 133 points at 84.23. March cotton up 122 points, 82.66. While December 23 cotton was up 85 points, 75.66 cents. Corn market getting a boost Friday from cold weather over the weekend in the Midwest. We had sub-freezing temperatures forecasted for just about all of the Corn Belt and as far south as Missouri. So that boosted our market a bit Friday with December corn up seven and three quarters, six eighty-three and a quarter. March corn up seven and three quarters, six ninety-one a bushel. The wheat markets both finishing higher on hard and soft wheat. December Kansas City wheat up three and three quarters, nine sixty-eight and three quarters. December Chicago wheat up one and a quarter at eight eighty and a quarter. In the energy markets Friday, November natural gas dropped twenty-eight cents, six sixty-eight. November crude oil up four twenty-four at ninety-two sixty-nine a barrel. The financial markets taking a big drop on Friday afternoon. The Dow was down 771 points at 29,155. The Nasdaq down 451 at 10,620. The S&P down 121 points, 3,622. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.